Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Knock, knock. Who's there? Radio. Uh, radio who? Radio or not, here I come. But I'm bump. <laughs> Good morning. I'm Carmen LaBerge. That's Paul Perot. It is knock knock joke day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good morning. Good morning. It's also Reformation Day. It's also Halloween. It's a lot going on today. It's also the day the Lord has made. We're gonna rejoice and be glad in it. But you know, I do have a few uh, knock knock jokes. So knock knock. Uh who's there? John. John who? John Knox. But I'm bump. Reformation joke humor. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> uh, okay, so it totally feels like um, on Knock Knock Joke Day, also Reformation Day. Uh, you should we should have like a growing your faith verse of the day from Revelation three verses twenty and twenty one. Oh, this is not. This is not. Oh, no, it should actually, be. No, I know. Perfect. Or Matthew seven seven oh, and eight. Yeah, I know. So I'm gonna read those and then we'll do the actual. One. Okay. So, Okay, so Revelation 3, 20 and 21. You know, for those of you who are going to make this, because, you know, people are going to come knock on your door tonight, right? They're gonna, there's going to be some knock-knocking because it's Halloween. So here you go. Revelation 3, 20 and 21. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus speaking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Um, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So there you go. There's a uh, knock-knock joke day, verse of the day for you. Or how about Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8? We actually uh, had this as a verse of the day a few um, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. All right. Ask and it will be given to you. Again, Jesus speaking here. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So there you go. Those are the Carmen LaBerge verse of the day special selections for this knock-knock joke day, also known as Halloween, also known as Reformation Day. The official Faith Radio Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 26 and 27. It's the follow-on to the verses we discussed yesterday. So Jesus is completing a thought here, a thought he started in yesterday's verses, um, so here we go. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. So remember yesterday, he talked about the wise man who built his house on a rock. That is the person who hears the words of Jesus and puts them into action. Those were yesterday's verses. That's the wise man. Today, those who hear the words of Jesus, but do not put them into practice. This, Jesus says, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So, have you heard? Have you heard what Jesus has said? 
Are you putting it into practice? It's one thing to know what Jesus has said. I mean, even the demons know what Jesus has said, but they do not put those teachings into practice, do they? And so what are the things that you know God has commanded you to do? What's the last thing God commanded you to do? What's the last thing God told you to do? Have you done it? If not, delayed obedience is disobedience. It's one of my one of the things that I have heard Dave Buring say that I now find myself often repeating to myself. Look, you know that God has called you to do this or not to do this. And so um, delayed obedience is disobedience. Or in the words of Jesus today, everybody who hears these words and does not put them into practice, well, he's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The same rain comes to both, the wise man and the foolish man. The same streams rise, the same winds blow, the same storms rage and beat against their lives, their houses. But one stands and one falls, and the one that falls, falls with a great crash. So, um, let us be mindful today of the things that we have heard, and let us have ears to hear. And then let us have hearts that respond in obedience to the goodness and the greatness of God. On this Halloween, it seems appropriate to remind uh, one another that our Christian faith is not a put-on. What are you putting on today? Are you putting on the full armor of God? Are you putting on love over all things, which binds everything together in perfect harmony? That's from Colossians um, chapter 3. Don't let, your, um, don't let your Christian faith, who you are in Christ, don't let that be a put-on today. And then above all these, this is Colossians 3, verses 14 and 15, above everything, over everything, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. So today, let us put on Christ, let us put on the full armor of God, let our Christian walk not be a put-on as we get out there into the world that God so loves. Let us do so in ways that honor Jesus. It is Halloween, so we thought it would be fun to talk with Billy Hollowell. You see what we did there? Mm -hmm. He is our friend from the Christian Broadcasting Network, uh, and he he reports uh, at a website called faithwire.com. We thought we would check in with Billy today. Um, on, well, some things that you might consider a little bit spooky in terms of subject matter. But Billy wrote an entire book on demons, exorcism, and ghosts, and it's called Playing with Fire. He actually has a podcast by the same name, Playing with Fire. So we thought, huh, who better to catch up with on Halloween than Billy Hollowell? So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, we're excited to have Billy Hollowell back with us today. He's a a reporter for the Christian Broadcasting Network, and you can find what we're talking about today at faithwire.com. Hey, Billy. Hey, how's it going? Oh, well, it's going, you know, Halloween and all. Thought this would be a great opportunity to talk with you about uh, the Playing with Fire that we all do all the time, your Playing with Fire podcast. So tell people what Playing with Fire is a reference to, and then Tell us about the recent conversation you had with John Ramirez. 
Yeah, you know, so it's the podcast is part of the book that I wrote um, called Playing With Fire a few years back, and I've just wanted to continue the conversation. And so on the show, we really bring on people who at some point were playing with fire. They were engaging in the occult. They were we've had everybody from ex-witches to ex-Satanists or people who found themselves dealing with a spiritual issue and they couldn't explain it. And this is all through a Christian lens. And so all of these people have found healing or have you know dealt with their issues, looking at scripture, looking through scripture. So it's not the goal of the show is not to panic people or scare them. Some of the stories are a little scary. They're a little difficult, but in the end you see the healing that people can get, you know, through Jesus. And so that, that is the premise of playing with fire. And we put out one to two episodes a month, and it's. It, I always learn a ton through it because the stories are just crazy. Yeah, and so recently you had a conversation with John Ramirez. Who is he, and what did he share with you? Yeah, so John Ramirez is is a really interesting case study. You know, he's an ex Satanist. He's now um, a preacher. You know, essentially he goes around and shares his story. Um, but back in 1999. He was for years before that, again, in Satanism and living this really disturbing life when you hear him you know, talk about it. But he had this experience of being in the occult, being in New York City and, you know, calling the devil his dad, essentially. Right. He didn't have an earthly father. His dad he didn't have a good relationship with his dad. His dad passed away. And he felt like he was sort of filling this void, you know, with Satan, as strange as that might sound. And so he shared his journey on the podcast. And and I'll tell you, he had this experience that almost, you know, we talk a lot about these near-death experiences. It's not a near-death experience, but it's almost a dream where he visited hell, essentially. And this experience was so shocking to him on this train to hell, as he described it, that he ended up becoming a Christian afterward. And again, now he's he's sharing you know his story everywhere. But you know, getting into those details, which we do on the podcast of what he claims to have seen during that, and just seeing the the suffering and the pain interacting with the devil. Um, and you know, it's interesting in these stories because people they engage in in the occult, they do all these things, and they always think it's a great thing until they hit this point where they realize that they are destroying their lives, right? Or that they're in danger. And that's really what happened to him. And it was a real turning point for him. When you talk about um, his engagement, I mean, John Ramirez was not just playing around with the occult. He was heavily engaged in Santeria. He became a high priest in, um, in a form of the occult. Um, Some of the things that he talks about in terms of, um, his spiritual engagement, like I actually think we can learn a lot about spiritual warfare from the things that he says, um, you know, as a person engaged with the dark side, let's say. Um, so anyway, I just I found all of that fascinating. Um, what's what's one takeaway for you in terms of John's testimony? Yeah, you know, kind of piggybacks off of what you just said. When you hear him tell his story of how he got into this, it was in his family, right? His He mm-hmm. said his aunt was sort of a high-ranking witch. And I think when we throw these terms around witch, people are kind of like, okay, you know, it's strange to people to hear these things, but there are plenty of people who are living in these occultic lifestyles. So his aunt had had that going on. And there, there was a fear that he was going to lose his eyesight. He was told by this witch that, 
you know, he, your son is going to, his mom was told you, your son is going to lose his eyesight if you don't do a ceremony within the next 30 days. And so they do this ceremony on him to try to make sure he doesn't lose his eyesight. And he struggled with his eyesight his whole life, which is interesting. But here's this little kid. And I think as Christians, we have to understand, and this is going to sound so strange, but a lot of psychics, mediums, people in the occult, they're, they claim there's white and dark magic. We know it's all bad, obviously, as Christians. But a lot of these people believe they're doing the right thing. They believe they're helping people. And that, for me, has been the most eye-opening takeaway from his story and others. You know, that here they are doing this ritual thinking they're going to help him. You know, we tend to frame it all as, you know, it is evil because it is. But that they're all out doing these maniacal things. A lot of these people believe they're doing the right thing, that they're guiding people to something. And unfortunately, they're guiding them you know, to the enemy. But we need to keep that in mind because it's hard to reach people if we don't actually understand the motivations for why they're doing what they're doing. We thought it'd be fun to talk with Billy Hollowell on Halloween, um, in part because Billy has made a pretty thorough study of what is happening in terms of um, satanic presence and practices in the world today. His book is Playing with Fire, a modern investigation into demons, exorcism, and ghosts. He also has a podcast, Playing with Fire, and we've been talking about a recent episode of that. Um, Why don't we jump to something that is posted at faithwire.com, and that is uh, uh, Ray Comfort giving a testimony, sharing about his encounter with a demon-possessed woman. Can you, this is a crazy story, can you talk with us about um, what Ray shared? It is a really crazy story, and we have this both at CBN on video and then it's on the Playing With Fire podcast, but Ray, you know, he, what I love about Ray Comfort is he does evangelism, that's what we know him as, but but he's encountered evil along the way, and he shared this story of living in New Zealand, you know, decades ago and encountering this young girl um, who came to him for help. Her friends came and said, you know, she's blacking out, she's experiencing all sorts of spiritual issues, and so he said, come to my office, you know, we'll talk. He sat down and talked with her, and her name was Jane, and it became very clear that something was obviously very, very wrong, um, that she was dealing with, you know, a possession of some sort. And, you know, the way he tells this story, he noticed she had these trinkets. That's how he described them. And they were these, it was this little demonic-looking fairy that she was wearing, that it was on on her. And that little fairy, there was something about the this, and when you hear the story, you can hear him sort of talk about all of that and how it culminates with this, this object that he ends up destroying. But, but he sees this girl, I mean, not only is she blacking out, she's crawling across the floor. She's doing the things you see almost out of a horror movie. And he actually said it was like being in the middle of a horror movie that you can't get out of. Um, but but he ended up helping her. And at one point in this story, she's at his office. She runs out of the office and tries to jump over this banister. You know, she could have died. And he ends up grabbing her leg. She's dangling, you know, and passing out. I mean, it's just it's it's insane, this story. Uh, but he was able to get her to become a Christian, to accept Christ. And that that was the healing part of this process. But but some of the details in this he talked about this one moment, and and this Ray Comfort is not a liar. I know Ray. I know he's telling the truth. He said that she was behaving before the healing so crazy that she was able to, with one hand, grab a safety pin um, out of uh, like a part of her outfit that was hard to reach, and she tried to swallow it. Um, she tried to to at one point grab the cords from the lights in the office and strangle herself. Um, and he said the demon would scream out, you know, we're going to kill, we're going to kill. It was, it really was out of a scary movie, but in the end, 
she accepted Christ, she found healing. And, you know, the way he tells it, he's so calm telling the story. And you're thinking, my gosh, <laughs> I, I don't even know what I would do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and he did, he did what, you know, scripture would lead us to believe is the only thing that you can do. And yet I, I know a lot of people who would have called 911 or people who would have um, sought to get her psychiatric care, um, you know, where she would be in a straitjacket in a padded room where she couldn't hurt herself and still totally captive, not only captive then in a room, but captive still by this um, by this spirit. And so I just thank you for passing along these stories. We're going to continue our conversation with Billy Hollowell here in just a moment. Um, have you heard the story of Kate Von D? I'll just confess. I don't know anything about her, but she's now a sister in Christ and she's been baptized. So we'll hear her story next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, this is Carmen from the Mornings with Carmen show. Who's your pastor? This is Pastor Appreciation Month. And so I want you to think about who is your pastor or who are your pastors? Who shepherds your heart? Who gives you wise and faithful counsel? Who comes alongside to encourage you as you walk difficult stretches of the road? Who opens the word of God to you in ways that actually help you live into the character and ways of God. Who are your pastors? Do they know it? It's possible you have lots of answers to this question, that maybe there is somebody who's preaching or teaching you listen to regularly. They shape your scripture engagement, but they don't know it. I'm encouraging you to tell them. Whoever it is that comes to mind when I say, who is your pastor? I want you to reach out to them this month. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. So encourage those who pastor you. Oh, and if you are a pastor, thank you. Bless you. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. Rejoining our conversation with our friend Billy Hollowell from FaithWire. You can find what we're talking about at faithwire.com. All right, Billy, uh, Kate Von D, and tell me if I'm supposed to be pronouncing that differently. I don't know anything about her, but she's a sister in Christ, and she's recently been baptized uh, after publicly renouncing witchcraft and the occult. So that sounds good. Yeah, well, so it's it's Cat. Cat. I know. Ah, I didn't see. know a lot about her either. I didn't know a lot about her either. <laughs> I will tell you, it's a very interesting name. But she, you know, I have what I did know of her because I didn't follow her, but I knew of her was that she's a tattoo artist. She was on a show I think called L.A. Inc. Um, years ago. So she's a reality mm-hmm. star, um, but but always wore gothic, very dark clothing. And, you know, from what I understood was kind of involved in, in a little bit of darkness. And last summer, so before this baptism, she had posted something on Instagram that we covered over at Faithwire and CBN, where she was saying, you know, that she threw out all of her witchcraft books. She threw out all of these things that she had in her home because she didn't want to be surrounded by that darkness, she recognized there was something wrong with that, right? She thought these things were beautiful or cool or interesting, and something within her was telling her that she needed to move away from that. And so you flash forward to very recently, and she was baptized, this viral video. She filmed it, a really beautiful video of her baptism um, and, you know, her faith and, and professing to be a Christian now. And so it's interesting because she's gotten a lot of critique, right? Christ- Christians have been hardest on her. And it's mm-hmm. interesting because she said, you know, look, like her fans are not are not believers. So the people, she was expecting them to be the ones that would react the harshest to this. Um, so I'll get the negative part of the story out of the way first, because I think it's important to sort of talk about that. You know, she's getting a lot of heat. And one thing I will say, because we I cover a lot of stories, you know, Justin Bieber, you have all these people who 
are professing to be Christians and they may do or say things that sometimes make you say, well, are they really? What's going on? And so you're trying to kind of judge that through. And I think sometimes we can be really harsh, especially with a new Christian, right? Without recognizing that maybe this person is journeying or learning the beginning of the faith and they're in the Mm -hmm. public eye. Um, But with all that said, this is a person who has renounced evil, pushed it to the side, and has chosen to not only get baptized, but do it when knowing her audience is not probably going to love this. So it, it's a pretty cool story overall. Yeah, but just because uh, she wears black or styles her hair a certain way or has tattoos, um, you know, that is, <laughs> is not the test of whether or not um, a person is a believer. I guess, you know, I think of John Cooper who does all those things, and we don't question whether or not he's a Christian. Um, yep. And just saying it's an interesting, uh, yeah, interesting uh, interesting way we test people. Um, okay, we got, uh, we got a few minutes left here to talk about your book, Playing With Fire. It's been out uh, a couple of years. You've probably learned some things since then about mm-hmm. demons, exorcisms, and ghosts. But maybe let's just cover, you know, like, obviously from the conversations we've just had, you and I could both testify to the reality that demons are active today. Um, but what what are some things that you cover in the book that you think would be helpful for people to know about um, and, and explore further? Yeah, you know, I think that there, there is so much in this topic. Uh, we have to understand from a biblical perspective what Scripture says. And I think a lot of us don't. You know, you and I do. I think, you know, a lot of Christians do, but but many don't. And because churches aren't talking about it. And so the goal with Playing With Fire is really to help people understand, here's what the Bible says, here are experiences people are claiming to have. You know, a lot of believers love to argue about things like the rapture. And I think evil is another one of these areas where, you know, we're fighting about deliverance and exorcism and, you know, who needs to go through deliverance and who doesn't. And and there's so much going on there. And so, you know, my goal was to help people distill all of that. But I think the big the big takeaway is that we should not be engaging in things that are seeking wisdom or information or knowledge outside of the of the Lord. And there are a lot of things in our culture, horoscopes. I mean, gosh, look look mm. at all these things where people are turning to look for answers. You know, who cares if you're a cancer or whatever you are? That has nothing to do with who you are as, as a person. And yet, we're looking to these things. And, and as humans, we're so prone to do that. And so, you know, understanding that it's the simple things sometimes that lead us down bigger paths that are that are spiritually dangerous. And also, you know, I would say for me, the biggest thing, and, and this is important for all of us, Ephesians 6, we're in the middle of this spiritual battle. You know, we're watching what's happening in the Middle East. We're seeing what's happening in the world right now. It's impossible to turn on the news for 20 minutes and walk away saying that, oh, you know, there's no evil in the world. We're not in a battle. We are absolutely in a battle. And once you understand that, it helps you frame everything else that is going on in our nation, in our world, and even in our own lives. Yeah. So just in case uh, you're listening right now and you're a little and you're saying to yourself, you know, what's wrong with horoscopes? It's a form of divination or predictive astrology. Um, and it's supposed to be rejected. Um, it is. It, it belongs to the conjuring up of things that um, are designed to, quote, unveil the future. And, uh, you know, I guess unless we're talking about um, what Scripture has to say that God has foretold about the future, predictive predictive astrology is just not supposed to be a part of um, of the Christian life and the Christian walk. So let's be engaged in the kind of spiritual warfare that is commended to us. 
in Scripture, and let's avoid those things that are not. And if you need a um, you know, a lesson in these things. That's actually what playing with fire is uh, is all about. It's Billy Hollowell's book, A Modern Investigation into Demons, Exorcism, and Ghosts. You can find what Billy's working on today at faithwire.com. Hey, Billy, thanks so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for having me. So thank you for listening to Mornings with Carmen, where we're bringing the mind of Christ to bear and reconnecting the eternal with the everyday. I had an opportunity to share a meal last evening with a, a Christian sister in Christ. And um, we were we were just visiting about, you know, recent experiences we'd had and things that were going on in our lives and, um, and on and on and on. And, um, and she shared this recent experience that she had at what was supposed to be a corporate, um, like the, the end of a corporate um, meeting and, you know, let's all have dinner together and let's do it at this, you know, quote unquote haunted mansion in our city. What she didn't know um, until she got there is that this is a venue where every few months they um, they change the theme, um, and it is described online as a truly unique 21 and over Halloween event for grown-ups. So you probably don't have to allow your imagination to roam very far to imagine how uncomfortable she was as a Christian in an environment where um, people were not only dressed provocatively, but behaving in ways that were intentionally um, seductive, maybe would be uh, the best way of describing it. Um, And these stories, apparently, that they are reenacting are loosely based on historical events, um, but they also um, have very, very dark themes, as you might imagine. Think Slavic folktales and think about those brought into um, a modern contemporary experience that's fully immersive once you are inside. And so um, we talked a little bit about like, she's like, I just, I just wish I had left earlier. Like, I don't know why. I don't know why I went so far into the experience. I mean, you know, once you're in the door, you recognize this is, this is not a place where the spirit of Christ is reigning. Um, in fact, quite the contrary. And so I guess I'd just ask you, like, you know, have you, have you gotten up and walked out of a movie where you recognized that this is, this is just so contrary to the spirit of Christ? I can't, I can't be here any longer. Have you walked out of a corporate event? Would you? Um, Like, what are we doing in terms of our witness as Christians in the culture today, particularly on dark nights like Halloween? I think that's my my question for each of us today. Like, am am I willing to remain pure? And am I willing to walk out or walk away from or even seem weird and odd? Um if I'm just not going to participate in something because it's just clearly of a spirit other than the spirit of Christ. It's just a question I put before us today as we walk in these particular days. All right, um, we are going to have an opportunity next to talk with an associate professor of Islamic studies at the Arab Baptist Theological Seminary in Beirut, Lebanon. Martin Akkad is going to join us next. What is the political theology? What is the what is political theology? Maybe we should say it that way. And then 
what is the political theology in in a world that is um, quite anti-religious, even though animated by very religious themes? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. We talk a lot about um, the Middle East, but, you know, it's more than one place. It's more than one people, um, and it has a rich history. Martin Akkad is joining us. He's an associate professor of Islamic studies at the Arab Baptist Theological Seminary in Beirut, Lebanon, although today he's joining us from Amman, Jordan. Martin, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. It's a pleasure to be with you. What, um, if you don't mind us asking, what are you doing in Jordan? Uh, my wife is Jordanian, so we're visiting her uh, her parents, uh, the grandparents of my children for uh, this week, and hopefully we'll be back in Beirut on Sunday. Talk with us a little bit about um, what it feels like to be in the region right now, um, and is that much of a different feeling than it has felt for a number of years now? Well, we're living in a region where uh, conflict is not a stranger uh, to us. Uh, We go from conflict to conflict. Lebanon's been going through uh, a crisis after crisis over the past three to four years, uh, even more than than ever before. Uh, At the moment, we're living day by day uh, as we await uh, while... uh, Violent men decide whether we will descend into further conflict or not, uh, particularly in Lebanon, but also in Jordan and the rest of the region. And you, you know, um, you know the United States. Um, you you serve as an adjunct professor for Fuller Theological Seminary. In addition to um, in, in in addition to your work in Beirut um, or in Lebanon, um, we obviously. You know, the world is a small place, but we get very, very narrowly focused on what is happening in our, you know, maybe in just the three feet surrounding us um, or in the home in which we live or the town in which we live, certainly the city, the state. It's even hard for us to think about a nation. Um, But things in the Middle East are, it's much, it's much tighter. It's like, it's all compact. It's all right. Every, the neighbors are really close. Can you? Just help us get a sense of um, of the difference between life, um, where you spend most of your days, and where we spend most of our days. Well, maybe one of the most striking differences is the place of religion in uh, public life. And perhaps in some areas of the United States, it's not uh, very different from uh, the Middle East uh, and the, the U.S. I, I have uh, learned over the years is very, very diverse, uh, depending on where you are in this large country. And you have some uh, states that are far more religious uh, than others, or I should say where religion is far more part of public life than others. Uh, in the Middle East, uh, the uh, religion is very much a part of public life, and so uh, it is always with you. But uh, I think maybe one of the things that has brought our worlds uh, much closer together has been the 21st century, uh, right from the beginning with the uh, September 11 uh, attacks, uh, with the uh, 
suddenly uh, Islam being part of everyday reality for everyone globally, including uh, outside the Muslim world, where perhaps for a while you could uh, ignore the fact that you have Muslim neighbors, a Muslim uh, um, shopkeeper, uh, 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 you know, your the friends of your kids at school and so on. And uh, religion suddenly became much more part of the public uh, reality and public life, it seems to me, globally, even in the world of politics today. So that's um, the intersection where we want to spend some time talking with you. I have uh, read a piece you've authored at evangelicalfocus.com, Political Theology in an Anti-Religious world. Um, first of all, let's talk about um, the the acronym M-E-N-A, um, something that you would use easily but would need translation among some of our listeners. What is MENA? What is the MENA part of the world? Yes, it's the Middle East, North Africa. So we're talking about, uh, particularly if, if we're referring to the Arab world, of course, these sorts of geopolitical um, indicators are not fixed. But when we speak about the Arabic-speaking MENA, we're talking about uh, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, Palestine, uh, Egypt, um, and uh, all the way to North Africa, to uh, the edges of Morocco or Mauritania even, uh, as well as uh, some people would include in that the Gulf region. So... Um Talk with us about the kind of the main argument you're making here, and it is this um, this sense that the times in which we live, um, there's these waves. I, I think there's more than one. Uh, these waves of populism might be one word that folks have used, but where religion is is co-opted, used um, in political endeavors. Yes, I think that we tend to um, find ourselves as an evangelical uh, community at either of two extremes. We either want to stay completely out of uh, politics and therefore of public life, or we get into those sorts of crazy partisanship type of engagement with uh, with political realities, which and and you have those two. Uh, you know, these, these seemingly completely contradictory positions that are quite striking. And uh, so I'm calling in this article for an engagement with uh, political, in political theology, which is a, an engagement in public life and, uh, and in the reality of politics in its original sense of uh, engaging in concerns of everyday life at the social, political, economic, even family level is part of the life of the city, police, uh, political, the original uh, politikos or uh, Greek word for politics. Uh, but I want to distinguish very clearly between partisan engagement and political engagement. And that is very important. And it seems to be a nuance that we seem to miss quite often uh, in in the world of the church. Talk, talk with us about that. Um, how would you distinguish between political engagement, the way you are you are framing it, and I think reminding people of the polis and of the concern we are to have for the city in which we live, no matter what it is or who governs it, um, that political engagement versus partisan engagement. Um, just take a moment to define that for um, for those who are listening. 
Yes, I think political engagement is when you take, uh, well, or partisan engagement is when you take sides with uh, a, a particular political party or a side of the political divide. And I'm not saying that individual Christians cannot be uh, members of a political party. I think this is part of uh, our uh, social uh, life uh, and social engagement. But uh, you can be uh, part of a party without being completely partisan and divided from uh, the other side. What needs to drive political theology and political engagement if we are if we claim to be followers of christ uh, i would argue is a sense of justice and uh, we want to be on the side of human suffering uh, on the side of justice of course these things are not always uh, you know clear cut and uh, and black and white but it is possible to stand with those who are suffering and that would lead us as followers of Christ to be sometimes uh, to, to go from one side to the other in our support, because in a conflict, uh, you have two sides that are battling. And if we cannot see the human suffering on one side of the conflict because of our partisan blindness, then I think we are doing really bad Christian political theology. And, you know, you can take the example of what's happening now in Gaza. And on the 7th of October, uh, if you are doing uh, faithful uh, Christ-like political theology, your heart would break with the uh, Jewish communities and Israeli communities that were under attack by Hamas. And after that, and until now, in the, in the days that follows, your heart should break for what is for what the population of Gaza is going through. If you are unable to see the suffering of the one or the other of these populations, because you are blinded by political belonging to one side of the other or the other at the partisan uh, uh, level, then I think you are no different than uh, most of, uh, of, of, you know, the rest of political partisanship, which uh, has nothing to do with with Christ or the Bible. Since we, um, since we're pivoting, you know, toward the events, um, the continuing to unfold, uh, not only in, in Israel and Gaza, but in the wider region, could we, could we turn our attention there specifically? Um, and, and to your piece, um, on the dangerous role of the media in exacerbating the conflict when we come back from a very brief break? Yes, sure. With pleasure. Thank you so much. We're talking with Martin Akkad. He is um, an associate professor of Islamic studies at the Arab Baptist Theological Seminary in Beirut, Lebanon. He's joining us today from Amman, Jordan, and we will continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up, they come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized and follow Jesus. 
The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. It is possible that the most important thing that you should know about Martin Akkad here in this next portion of our conversation is that he also listens to Morning Drive Time Radio, just like you. And so no matter where you're listening right now to Mornings with Carmen, you know uh, that here on the Faith Radio Network, we are um, we're seeking to glorify Christ. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We're also not seeking to be angry toward anyone. Um, and so what does that look like? How do we walk our faith out into the world that God so loves and do so in ways that honor Jesus? Uh, the Morning Show, uh, you know this if you're a regular listener to Mornings with Carmen, we are seeking to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. People don't need just another piece of our mind. They need the very piece of the mind of Christ. So how are we going to deliver that in the midst of of a world of of hot takes? So, uh, Martin, all of that is to say we do recognize the power of media and the responsibility that we bear as those who have the privilege of broadcasting over this particular medium. Talk with us about the concern that you have for um, for broadcast media today, um, and in particular, the concern that you have in terms of what information or disinformation or, I don't know, even just the, the way in which the media, um, not just on one side, exacerbates conflict um, in the region in which you live. Thank you, Carmen. Yeah, I'm particularly uh, concerned with the incitement and the propaganda that uh, media uh, um, contributes, and uh, this uh, just taking. We, you know, we were talking about partisanship, and I think that uh, when media is, takes a very partisan position, that can be all the more uh, dangerous because of the uh, broad impact that it has and the reach that the media has. And uh, I think that we need to uh, look at the role of the media. And I think, uh, you know, traditional media in, you know, more traditionally, the media saw itself as having a role as a peacemaker, as uh, uh, a, a voice that can um, reframe a conversation that can provide context to a, conf- a conversation that can bring minority or marginal voices into a, a conversation and uh, actually help people see uh, things differently rather than simply perpetuate the propaganda of a certain party or of a, s- a certain politician uh, of course, media have always been used also as propaganda tools, as uh, you know, sounding the the battle cry, as uh, uh, demonizing the enemy in order to uh, make its you know the killing of the enemy easier to accept 
by its own population and that sort of thing. But I think that if the media do not take a role of peace builder and reframing, then uh, there is a real, really deep uh, ethical issue with, with that sort of media. Yeah, that is not um, the way most folks um, have been trained um, in terms of of the way that they approach their task. Even as journalists today, they are uh, more often advocates of a particular position, and then they're hired into advocacy-oriented, um, you know, political machines. I mean, they're media outlets, but they're they they are very um, they tend to be very aligned on one side or another. And this gets back to our conversation about the difference between being partisan and, and political engagement. And so when, um, when you think about the role, because uh, we're all media consumers, some of us participate at some level in producing some kind of media, um, but you're talking more about journalist media that is supposed to be journalism and then often isn't. And the, the blurred lines between reporting and um, and advocacy or reporting and uh, uh, opinion um, can you can you help us do that like how how do you do that how do you sort through when you're listening to something and you can flip over one station and they're reporting on exactly the same event and it sounds like a completely different place in time yeah uh, I think what's important uh, here is uh, to see that um, the media is not simply the traditional forms of media that we think about. In fact, in this article on uh, the dangerous role of the media in exacerbating conflict, I was thinking about also the role of um, uh, the, you know, the 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 representatives of the church in the world and. Uh, mm-hmm. the, fact that preachers and uh, and teachers and theologians and authors uh, within the church are also important voices influences so i'm thinking about media as influences and then i i came across this uh, very interesting document uh, in, entitled the memory of war that lists uh, these um, uh, 12 or or these 11 principles uh, of uh, or rules of conduct uh, or ethical duties that the media have. And I started to think, you know, what is the role of influences within the church also? You know, how are we influencing our people? How are we really reframing the conversation, providing context and so on? And uh, I find that we are far too divided within the church today also in this uh, when it comes to our responsibility as uh, uh, people who want to stand for justice uh, and for the suffering, more importantly. In a way, justice is a difficult word because we always think about the cause we stand for as a just cause. But are we really on the side of the suffering? Because I think this is in a, this is one one way that Jesus really demonstrated uh, how to engage uh, with society and with the public space. Are we on the side of the suffering? That is the question we must ask our, uh, ourselves. Yeah, and uh, I think that the the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, or the one who we call the Good Samaritan, um, is is one of those that we must continue to lift up today in our conversation, um, because sometimes 
we imagine that um, it's okay to pass by. It's, it's okay. It's okay to pass by. And I think Jesus would say, it's just never okay to pass by. It's just never. It's just never okay. You see a person suffering um, regardless of their ethnicity or what has happened to them, the, the things in life that they have been subject to, where they find themselves. A person unable to help themselves for whatever reason is now the person um, to whom I am called to show mercy, with whom I am called to sacrifice, or for whom I'm called to sacrifice. Um, and I need to go find a willing, uh, another willing person. I mean, I, I don't want to forget the imperative role that the, um, that the innkeeper plays in that story. I mean, he's just willing to take someone in and, um, and care for them with the promise that the Samaritan is going to come back and pay. Um, and just, there's just so many ways that we can enter into the conversations today that are different than, I think the word reframing is really important. Thank you for lifting it up. Um, so many different ways that we can participate in the conversations of the day that will help other people see things differently than, um, than maybe the glaring colors um, screaming at them from other media sources. So the influence that each of us has is, is so critical. I, I love talking with you. Thank you so much for the privilege of this conversation today. Thank you, Carmen. I really enjoyed it as well. Um, I'm happy to pass along to you if you're listening right now. Um, the the link to Martin's um, pieces that we've discussed today, just text me 877-933-2484. Martin Akkad from um, the Arab Baptist Theological Seminary in Beirut, Lebanon. Let us be praying today for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Let us be praying that God would give us the inspiration of his own Holy Spirit, that we could walk faithfully in these days. We have another hour coming up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.